0: Well, chapter 4, and we are at verse 11, and the title is Humility in Action. James has spoke of drawing near to God, and of course we have the promises we draw near to him that he's going to meet with us. Um, he talks in verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And then he goes into two sections of instruction about what humility is going to look like. Um, And humility is going to look like um, kind speech, the avoidance of of speaking evil against each other. And the other uh, mark of humility is in how we make our decisions. We're going to be seeking the face of the Lord. So those are the two topics that we want to hit this morning as we look at verses 11 to 17. Well, let's begin by reading verses 11 and 12. It says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother, Speaks evil of the law and judges the law, but if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And so there is this exhortation here um, that we we need to follow. We need to be in obedient um, in the way in which we approach this. Um, verse twelve again. There is one lawgiver, right? There's one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? So. Humility does not speak against a brother. So how do we, how do we get to that kind of point? Well, um, if I understand um, my need for the Lord and that I'm a sinner, that I'm in need of God's grace, then I'm going to be walking in that same kind of humility and grace with other people. But let's, let's define what we mean here as we talk about the one thing that he's telling us not to do, and that's to speak evil of another. And and the words, it just seems, don't speak degradingly of, don't defame, don't slander. Um, But this word, most commentators agree, kind of expands out and has even a broader impact than just like a defamation or a slander. Um, One author says, but the term as used here is broader than that. We may speak the truth about a person and still be unkind. Or we we may spread gossip that others have no business knowing. We may be questioning someone's authority or nullifying their good work by backbiting. And so when we talk about speaking of evil, it's a pretty inclusive uh, word. It's gonna cover a lot of different topics. And he is saying that this is an evil thing to do, is to have that kind of communication. We need to be circumspect in our speech. We need to be uh, on alert. We need to be paying attention that when other people's names come up in the conversation, that we are now beginning to ask the question, is what I'm about to say kind? Is what I'm hearing loving? Or is this the way I hope that I'm being talked about when I'm not around and other people are there? And so we got to be careful. Now, you may feel like, well, I've got all the facts straight. I know exactly what's going on in this circumstance. And um, so I, you know, I'm speaking about this situation. But have you talked to the other person? Because if you haven't talked to the other person, there is a high probability that you don't have the whole story. Uh, Proverbs puts it like this, everybody thinks they're right until the neighbor speaks. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, oh, I've heard the story, but now you get to hear the neighbor and hear how they saw that situation unfold and what they did and what their actions were. So when you think you have the story straight, maybe you really don't. Maybe you just have one side of this circumstance. If, you know, something that I I tried to walk out in ministry, something that I urge all of those that um, um, are in that place of counseling here at the church is like, don't give advice unless the other person is there and you've heard the other side of the story. And I would encourage all of you to pick up that same kind of instruction and, and walk it out until you hear what the other person has to say. Be careful of giving advice. And listen, I'm not just talking about you at the coffee shop with somebody. I'm talking about those of you that even have a place of being counselors out there. You've got to be so careful. We have to be so careful, every one of us, when we begin to tell people what to do or how to respond or what to say, because if we don't have the full picture, we could be giving advice that we would not otherwise give. So we must walk so humbly with this, and, 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 and you know, when we talk about it, that's kind of a side issue to what I'm referring to, but I, I just wanted to put that in there, that we would understand that we've got to hear the whole story before we try and make a decision. James shows here how evil and how serious a sin it is to speak against somebody. And I think a lot of people will say, wait a minute, it's my right to talk. I mean, I have freedom of speech. I can say whatever I want to. Okay, Mr. and Mrs. American, that's great. But you're a citizen of heaven. And your king says, only speak those things which are for the necessary edification and building up of the body of Christ. That's what your passport to heaven, that you are a citizen there. If you are, then you have that. And King Jesus says, This is how we communicate. And so, when we begin to speak evil against people because of offense or because we're appalled or whatever the reason might be, we need to be careful because this is a serious sin. What we see here is that, number one, it makes us judges over others. Verse 11, you know, um, he who speaks evil of a brother judges his brother. I think we all understand we're not supposed to judge. And so, you know, there's a righteous judgment to make, but this is an unrighteous judgment. So do you want to stand in that place of being a judge over another? I think here's, here's a question you could ask yourself, a couple questions. You could ask yourself before you engage in conversation or speech about somebody else. Do I want other people to give me the benefit of the doubt, but I refuse to give that person the benefit of the doubt? So in other words, if you're not there and your conversation comes up about what you think, what you feel, what you said, what you did, are you hoping that people are going to believe the best about you? Of course you are. Of course. Every one of us wants that. Well, if we want that for ourselves, then are we doing that for this other person that is being talked about? Have I made excuses for my shortcomings, but I'm completely intolerant to anybody else making an error? Like, man, you know, it's like, yeah, listen, oh, yeah, I've got all kinds of problems. just, Just be patient with me. And yet when somebody else is in need of patience, there's no patience to be found. It is complete intolerance. Or I drop the letter of the law on everybody else's actions, but, boy, I love to raise my hands and drop to my knees and sing about the mercy and the grace of God in my own life. And if we are doing these things, celebrating on the one side that mercy and grace for us, but not for the others, then then certainly we know we have passed into that area of being judges. And this is meant to put pause in our thoughts. The other thing is it makes us a judge over the law. So first you're a judge over uh, that person, and then you become judge. A judge of the law. It says, uh, look at the middle of verse 11. We'll pick it up there. It says, speaks evil of the law and judges the law, the word of God. You and I become a judge over the word of God when we speak evil against other people. And this is not a positive thing, right? This is, the connotation is a negative judgment. It's like, well, how am I judging, how am I becoming a judge of the law simply because I'm gossiping or, you know, speaking unkind words about a person? Because the word of God, the law tells you not to. And it tells me not to. And so if I decide to speak anyway, then I judge that the word of God is not worthy of my obedience. This is not a good way to live. This is not a good piece of instruction. And you know, really, you can, you can take that principle and you can stretch that out over any type of disobedience to the word of God. And you become a judge of that. And then the next piece is that it makes us lawbreakers, right? So you actually not only have judged your brother or sister, you have not only judged the law, but now you are one that is walking in sin. You have become lawless. This is not just a a small deal, right? This is a big deal that James is trying to get across to them. And so when you speak against the family of God, Scripture identifies you as a lawbreaker, Yet how many times do we feel justified in in talking about people and we don't feel that you know that, that pain of like I just uncovered somebody I just you know spoke unkind words. Now verse 12 says there is one lawgiver who's able to save and to destroy who are you to judge another? So humility does not seek to replace God as judge. So When we speak against it, we've judged the brother, we've judged the word of God, we've become lawless, and the implication here is in verse 12 is you shouldn't do that. There is only one lawgiver. Do you really want to put yourself not just above your brother, not just above the law, but above the one who actually gave the law? And this is the seriousness of what is being talked about. God is the only judge. God is the only one that has a right to be able to make these types of uh, final judgments. Now listen, there's a place to see sin in somebody's life and confront them on that and to br- and call them to repentance. But that's not the kind of judgment we're talking about. That's a righteous judgment. This is an unrighteous judgment that's being referred to. Romans 14 4 says, Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. So this is not our job. It's not, it doesn't fit our job description to go around and begin to judge one another. So how do we stop this evil speaking against one another? And here's just four quick points. Number one, get a proper view of yourself. You're a sinner. And I'm a sinner. And I'm going to need mercy. And I'm going to need Grace. And so if I am coming to the Lord and asking him to have mercy and grace and not judge me, do I really want to begin to judge others? And the answer is no, we don't. We don't want to do that. We want to be gracious and kind with others. We don't want to tolerate sin. We don't want to encourage sin. We're not going to wink and nod and cover it up. We're going to call it uh, out and call people to uh, repentance. But this idea that we're going to become uh, you know, speaking evil of others. Well, I just don't understand my own self and my own need for mercy. Number two, repent of your sin. And by repent, I mean do this. Yeah, talk to the Lord about it in private and then go to the person you've talked about and ask him to forgive you. Ooh. Yeah, that's going to stop real fast, isn't it? You may do that once. You may do that twice or three times, but pretty soon you're going to say, if I'm going to repent of sin, then I'm going to stop talking about these people because I don't want to keep going to people and saying, listen, you weren't around, your name came up, and we started talking about you, and the things that were said were not kind. And I can even tell you what it was said. Just, it was not kind. It was not, it was not loving. Um, I want, you know, I sinned against you. Would you please forgive me? You do that a couple of times, you'll be done gossiping. It will, it will cure you because you're going to hate that kind of confrontation, and you're going to hate the way you see it makes other people feel So get a proper view of yourself. You're a sinner that needs mercy and grace. Repent of the sin. Number three, start being a person who uses their their mouth to encourage rather than to, to tear down. This is what we are called. Be proactive in speaking well of other people and encouraging other people. And then number four, don't allow people to speak against your family. I this guy I knew, he wasn't a friend, I just, you know, I met him up at a conference one time, and this topic came up, and he says, yeah, this is what I do. And he's on staff at a church. He said, when people come, and they tell me about a person, and it's a gossipy kind of a thing, and it's slanderous, he like, well, all right, you need to go and talk to them. I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to do it. He said, I tell you what, you have 48 hours to go and talk to them, and if in 48 hours you haven't talked to them, you can know that I will be in a conversation with them to find out how the conversation went. How many times do you think people wanted to talk to him and make him a part of the gossip chain? No, you only do do that once, right? It's like, no, I'm not going to say a word to this person. But don't you love the protection that it starts to build into the body of Christ? Don't you want somebody doing that for you when your name comes up? It's like, well, yeah, but it's true. Say, well, it may be true. But this is not right. And so we're not going to have this conversation. You're going to go deal with it. So get a proper view of yourself. Repent of your sin you know, before the Lord and before that person you've talked about. Um, Start being a person that is using encouraging speech. And don't allow people to speak against your family. Protect the body of Christ. And so if we are walking in humility, humility is going to manifest itself by the way we... We don't talk about each other. Um, It's going to protect one another. Now, as we move into our next point, verses 13 through 17, here we see that a walk in humility is going to impact our decisions. You know, if I am walking humbly before God, then I am going to seek his face. So let's read this section. It says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, the very opposite of humility, right? And all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So this is... A group of business uh, men, they were planning their trip. They had probably collected things they were going to take to this other city that would be considered valuable. They're going to sell them. They're going to load up their, you know, their carts and then make their way back. And, you know, they're going to do it for a year. They're going to be gone for 12 months. And, and James says, you guys got to quit making plans without seeking the face of God. They were going to make a profit. This is what businessmen do. That's not sinful. That's not the problem. The problem is they were not taking the time to ask the Lord what he wanted from them. These men assumed that they could make whatever plans they wanted, and because they were astute and they knew the business, that it would go well. But James speaks for the Lord. He says, you need to stop doing this. You need to start asking the Lord. And one of the things that he says is, um, well, what could have been the scenario? Why would the Lord want to step in? And it, we're not given the specifics, but let me give you what I think is a very plausible, if it didn't apply to them, it, apl- it has applied to plenty of people down through the ages. It's like, well, I these men, let's say, are um, great businessmen. Let's say they're astute. They know exactly what to do. But they also, let's say, are key individuals within the body of Christ. They're teachers, they're instructors, they they help and they serve in some way. And as James is looking at this, these guys are not even taking the time to pray whether or not they should be gone for a year from the church. Now, is it wrong for people to take business trips? No, he never says that, but they should have at least been praying. Now, you can create another scenario in your mind as to what was maybe going on that James was addressing, but you get the idea. We must seek the face of the Lord because we are servants of the Lord. We are bond servants of the Lord. So we need to walk in humility with our decisions, and one of the ways James encourages us to do that is in, there in verse 14. He says, "He goes, you do not know what will happen tomorrow. You lack control over your life. You may think you have control over your life and you may go along for quite some time, but all it takes is one, one event to pop up in your life that you didn't anticipate that turns everything 180 degrees and where you thought you were going, you can no longer um, go in that direction. We cannot even take our next breath without the Lord giving it to us. So how much control do we really have? Our mind and our, our plans and our, um, you know, the, the, the business plan that we have and all that's gone together for us to develop this, and I encourage you to have a good business plan, but the Lord's allowing your mind to put all these thoughts together. What if he just gives you confusion in your thoughts? And so how much control do you really have over your life? So we fail when we think that our learning and our experience... And my good planning is going to secure the future. He says, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Maybe you ought to pray. There was a, a time where, fortunately, we had prayed and sought the Lord. But where this, this reality came uh, to pass. So we were um, thinking and praying about getting a radio station. So this goes back years ago. And it was just a small little radio station. we were have a small translator um, in Lynchburg and then one out, a full station out in, um, out in Pamplin. <laughs> and um, so we were just barely going to have coverage. I mean, the coverage we have now with Equip FM is, is so, so much better than what we had when we first started out. But we, we made this step. We prayed about it. It was a ton of money for us at the time. And um, we, we decided, the elders... After praying and seeking the Lord, let's go ahead and do this. Let's step out. And we said, okay. We signed the contract. And about 22 seconds later, the, you know, the market crashed and we were in a recession. I mean, it was like so fast. And I'm like, oh, man. And I'm like, Lord, you tricked us. Because we prayed and asked and we felt led to do this. And then like, if this would have happened before we would have made the decision... I don't know that I would have made the decision. And, and yet, in that moment, the Lord was like, it is going to be all right. You know, and so uh, just the way the timing went, um, you know, about a year later, um, it came time for us to actually start buying the equipment and having to pay everybody to, you know, build the station. And, um, you know, the recession was passed, and it was, we are in a different place. But, you know, the Lord led us into that, even though he knew what was going to take place. my natural wisdom would have said, avoid that. But, you know, the Lord was leading us, and it was a beautiful thing. I mean, the way the Lord worked that out, um, amazing. We made so much money on these little stations that allowed us to buy the bigger station. It just was God's favor and kindness upon us. It was the right decision. But, you know, if we had not sought the Lord, man, the, I couldn't have, you know, how I would have responded and how I would have felt would have been very, very different. Like, man, what kind of crazy decision did we just make? So we need to realize that we lack control. So who better to talk to than the one who's in control of everything? He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what's going to happen on that business trip. He knows what's going to happen on that radio station. He knows what's going to happen with your education plans. All of this the Lord knows we need to do it. And let me just say this. It is not enough for you to say, "Yes, I know." Forget you. It's not enough for we, me Troy, to say, "Yes, I know I ought to pray and seek the Lord," but not pray and seek the Lord. You got you got to pray. We have to pray and seek the Lord. It's not enough to say, "Well, I know that I should. I know, yeah, that's that you're right. I should have done that." No, we must do that. And so I encourage you to begin to think about your decisions. Uh, still in verse 14, we need to realize that our life is temporary. He says, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You know, think about the, the steam that comes off a, a pot of boiling water. Think about, you know, the vapors that are coming out of a, you know, uh, a volcano. They, you know, they're there for one second and then they're gone. The steam that's coming off of hot springs, you know, it's there and then it's gone. That's your life. That's my life. It is passing by so quickly. Job put it like this. Now my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. They see no good. They pass by like swift ships, like an eagle swooping on its prey. That's the way time goes. Now You may not feel like that when you're 12, but you know, you will when you're 50. You're going to go, man, life goes so by so fast. And then you're 60 and 70 and 80 and 90. It's like, man, life has gone by so quick. And, you know, this is, you know, something that all of us, you know, as you get older, you begin to think about. It's like, you know, I look, I'm like, yeah, I'm more than halfway done. I'm well past halfway done. I pray to God I'm more than halfway done. I don't want to, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to be, I don't want to be 112 years old. Okay, that's what I'm saying. You can do the math. You guys are smart. I don't want to be 112 years old. You know, I'm hoping Jesus comes back before then. So how, many, how much time do I have left to follow God's plan for my life and to make an impact upon this world and for, for the name of Jesus? So yeah, your life is passing away. Redeem the time. We don't have time to make bad decisions. Time is short. Our calling is, is so important. We are ambassadors of Christ, and the Lord wants to plead through us to a lost and dying world to be reconciled to God. We don't have time to make wrong decisions. We don't have time to go do our own thing. What we, what we should be doing is seeking to do God's thing. Look at verse 15. It said, Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. So it's just a straight commandment. We are to seek the face of God and find out what he wants for our life. Here's the good news. God's got a plan for your life. Believer, the Lord knows what he wants to do through you. He knows what he wants to do in you. And that should cause all of us to just be drawn in. It's like, well, Lord, what is it? What is that thing that you want me to do that's going to make a difference for all of eternity? And it, it may be exactly what you're doing, but if you haven't prayed and you haven't sought the Lord... Or I would say this even right now. If you're like, well, if the Lord would ask me to do something different than I'm doing right now, I wouldn't do it. Well, then you're not doing the will of the Lord. That is not the way the Lord wants us to be. Is to have an open hand and say, "Here I am, Lord. Send me. Use me. Do whatever it is that you might want." The desire for us is that I would every mo- that in every moment of my life I would be following the will of the Lord. We're bond slaves. We're servants. Servants don't say, well, give me your idea of what you want to do with my life, and then I will decide what I want to do when I consider all the options. Servants don't do that. Servants say what? Yes, Lord. This is a response. You matter of fact, I would hope that every one of us in here would be able to say this. I don't even have to know what the Lord wants for my life. I'm already going to do it as soon as he tells me. Because I am that committed to following his plan. Resolve today that you will never make another decision that will affect your life as Christ's servant without first asking him what it is that he wants for your life. Do I have the time? Do I have the resources? Do I have the emotional output to do this thing? What is your plan? So stop and ask the Lord. Now in verses 16 and 17... Um, we see very clearly that to not seek the Lord is an evil thing. It's a sinful thing to do. It says, but now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good, that is, seek the mind and the will of the Lord, and does not do it, to him it is sin. It's interesting that these two things that we've talked about is like speaking evil. We often give ourselves a pass. We often say, well, I was just expressing myself. Well, I have a right to my own opinion. Well, I have a right to vent. No, you don't. You're a slave of Jesus Christ. And what you have a right to do is to follow him and to obey him. And we will give ourselves a pass. But he, he calls us out on it. And he says, doing that is to stand in the place where you judge the law, you judge your brother, you actually judge God doesn't sound like there's a lot of room there. And now here, when it comes to this other matter of seeking the will of the Lord, there needs to be a humility, a brokenness. I don't know what to do, but I want to follow you. He says that it's arrogant boasting. Why is it arrogant boasting? Because we feel we can lead our lives better than Creator Jesus. I know better than you. That is an arrogant boast to make. And when do you make it? You make it passively when you don't seek the Lord, right? This isn't something like an active thing where God is dumb and I'm smart. No, we don't do that. But the arrogant boast comes out when it's like, did you pray about this? Well, you know, not really. I just, you know, this is just something I really want to do. And that's the arrogant boasting that he's calling us out on. And he says... What does he say there? That all such boasting, what is the boasting? The boasting is I don't need to seek the Lord. I can figure it out on my own. He says it is what? Evil. It's evil. That's a a pretty strong word. The Greek word is paneros, and it means, I'm just going to read you the definition, pertaining to being morally or socially worthless, wicked, evil, bad, base, worthless, vicious, degenerate, wow. I mean, that's probably not the way we're thinking of failing to pray and wait upon the Lord to hear what he has to say. But this is what the scripture says. It is a sinful thing, he goes on to say at the end of verse 17. Now this word, paneros, in the classical language, so just like in everyday Greek uh, conversation, the way this word at times would be used would be used to talk about annoyances and trials and hardships. So I do believe that what the definition I just gave you is what should, how we should understand it, it is you know, worthless, vicious, degenerate, base, wicked, evil. But just to get a little sense of the texture of this word, it could also have the idea of annoyances. And boy, isn't that exactly what happens when we make decisions outside of the will of God? when we just run and go and do our own thing, and now we have to live with the reality of the choices that we've made and the the burden and the hardship and the annoyances and the trials that come upon us. So we need to be humble and to to seek the Lord. We've got a few more minutes here, and I I wanna look at this question. How do we discover God's will for our life? Okay, so we've talked about it. We should do it. We've talked about the reasons why we should do it. We've talked about the reasons why we shouldn't, because we don't want to be evil. But how do you actually discover God's will for your life? Well, one of those ways is in the very title of our study is that we need to be humble. We need to be humble before the Lord. Psalm 25.9 says, The humble, he guides in justice. And the humble, he teaches his way. It's that humility it's that getting on your face before the Lord and just put it, raising your hands and saying, Lord, whatever I've planned, whatever thought that I've had, if there be any other way that you would want me to walk in other than what I've already conceived of, I will do it, just teach me. And the Lord is happy to lead that person. But I tell you who he's not happy to lead. He's not happy to lead the person that says, well, Lord, I've got a really tight plan here. I am interested into what you have to say. So if you like, you can submit it and I will pray over it. Who are you going to pray to? (laughs) The one who's giving you the plan? I mean, what is this nonsense we speak to the Lord? No, that's not humility. And listen, would you give advice to somebody who said, hey, I want to hear what you have to say. Probably not going to listen to you, though. Well, then go find somebody else. You know, go find somebody else to talk to. No, that's all right. And you may do it once, but if they come to you for the fifth time and they want to ask advice and they've ignored every time you said, you may say something like, you know what? I really don't think you want to know what I have to say. I think you just want to do what you want to do and you're hoping that I'm going to say what you want to hear. I'm not giving you my advice. And so if that is true with us, how much more with the Lord? So we need to be humble Uh, Another part of discovering God's will for our life is you've got to be willing to walk by faith. For we walk by faith, not by sight. When God gives you instruction, when he teaches you in the way you should go, I'm not going to say every single time it's going to require some major step of faith, but don't be surprised when it does require the major step of faith. And what are you going to do? Well, I want to hear what the Lord has to say. And as long as it makes good logical sense, then I'm willing to go and step out into that. But if this is going to require me to step out into something that doesn't make a lot of sense to me or to people around, I'm not going to do it. Well, then you're probably not going to ever find yourself walking in the will of God. Think about, I mean, pick a story. Pick an account from the Old Testament. Wednesday night we were studying in Judges and Gideon. Gideon, you have 32,000 men. This is too many. Tell everybody that's afraid to go home. And 10,000, was it 10,000 or 22,000 went home? I forget exactly what it was. And eventually, he says, You still have too many people. And he gets it down to 300. He's like, Perfect. Now that you have 300 men, I want you to go fight this 135,000 uh, man army. That doesn't make sense. I know. What do you mean? You know. You know. He goes, yeah, well, he, well, why am I doing this? Because when I give victory, nobody's going to think you did it. Everybody's going to know God did it. Oh, so one of the reasons why God will have us to step out in faith is for his glory and for his honor and for his fame. If you or I get to be a part of God getting glory, honor, or fame, boy, we've reached the, the pinnacle of why we live. And you will find such delight so, we need to be humble. We need to walk by faith. Um, we need to let the Lord lead. Um, kind of already made this point, but Psalm 25, 5 says, Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. And then it's this last line that I want you to see On you I wait all the day. I'm going to let you lead me. I'm not going to give you a time frame and say, You better show up by noon, or else then I'm going to make my own decision. No. You wait upon the Lord until he leads you. And then lastly, look to him alone for direction. Look to one source for direction. Deuteronomy 32.12 says, So the Lord alone led him. So Yahweh alone led him. Is that a desire of your heart? That you can say, I've only been led by my maker, by my savior and my redeemer. I pray that this is what's going on in your heart and your life. Again, the Lord wants to be the sole leader of your life. He doesn't want to compete with the wisdom you seek from others or from this world. He doesn't want to engage in debate. So cut all the safety lines and cling to the Lord. And Wait upon him to give you this wisdom. And, and how is that wisdom going to come to you? How is he going to speak to you? Well, of course, the word of God is going to be a big part of it, right? It'll tell you things to do. It'll tell you things not to do. But circumstantially, things can begin to align. You can begin to see doors open. You begin to see doors close. And as you're praying and as you're um, you know, seeking the face of the Lord, you can see things being put together. But we must be discerning because the ship going to Tarshish out of Joppa was not the Lord's provision for Jonah, was it? Oh, it's an open door. I got a ticket. Yeah, not really. That's just you running and the, Lord, and the enemy making a way for you to get away. So we've got to be discerning. But through circumstances, the Lord will make his will known to us. And the last one is through the voice of the Lord. Now, I've never heard an audible voice of the Lord. And I am not saying that he can't. We have testimony of this in the New Testament. And after Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, sometimes he spoke in audible voices. Okay, I haven't had that experience. Um, but I can tell you how the Lord does speak to me. And as, as I'm praying and as I'm seeking, is that he'll be putting you know, thoughts and ideas together of how I should go or what should be done. And as I'm thinking, the, as these scenarios are coming together and as these thought processes are kind of being formulated in my mind, now all of a sudden I'm saying, Lord, is this you or is this me? Has anybody been in that place before? Boy, there's a, t- there's a strong tension between that, isn't there? Is this me or is this you? And so you're, you're praying and you're, you're, you ultimately you come to the place where you're like, I believe that Troy Warner is supposed to move his family to Virginia. I believe that I'm supposed to go be a missionary in Australia. I believe that we should buy that building. I believe we should sell and buy this one. And all these different decisions. I believe that we should do the radio. All these things have come together, the thoughts and the plans, and we've prayed about it and we saw it. It's like, listen, I think this is what he wants to do. But I'm going to tell you that when you're doing this, going back to that part of the faith, you're going to you're gonna have to step out. You're going to have to step out. Now, if it doesn't conflict with the word of God, it's not you seeking your own glory and you've prayed and you've sought the Lord and it seems like this is what God has, you're probably going to come to the place where you just got to step out into it. If you're going to wait to know the next decision and the voice of the Lord speaking to you like you know facts, you won't ever step out. Let me give you an example. Jonathan and his armor bearer where they were fighting the Philistines, right? They're always fighting the Philistines. So they're fighting the Philistines, but, but dad doesn't want to go and fight. He's under a, it, a pomegranate tree or something like that, just hanging out and just um, you know seeking the Lord. But he's not seeking the Lord. He's just delaying. And Jonathan is getting impatient, and he talks to his armor bearer. says, hey, God doesn't need a whole army to win. God can win with a few, or God can win with a whole bunch. I tell you what why don't you and me go up to the Philistines and we'll just make ourselves known. And then if they say, hey, come up here and we'll show you a thing, then we'll know that the Lord has given them into our hands. But if they say, you stay there, we'll come to you. We'll run and we'll hide. And the armor bearer goes, do all that is in your heart, I am with you. He doesn't say, are you crazy? What kind of nut job are you to think that we're gonna go take on the entire Philistine army? No, he says, hey, Go do that. But this is, I love the language. In the New King James, this is what it says as Jonathan is speaking to his armor bearer. He says, it may be that the Lord will. So this is what I like to say faith is. Faith is a strong maybe. It may be that the Lord will. It's going to be a sense where I think the Lord is leading like this. I've prayed. I've waited upon him. You know, these thoughts and ideas that i are having this scenario, this, this, you know, project or this opportunity it just seems like and then you're going to step out are you going to get it right all the time i doubt it i don't know if any of us get it right all the time we 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 misread maybe the circumstances or the voice of the lord but you know what if you make a mistake having prayed and sought the word and searched your heart and believing that you're taking a step of faith and you step out into that scenario i think you're going to be all right what do you think He's your heavenly father. What's he going to do? He's going to say, mm, "Let's not do that," and he's going to he's going to redirect you. He's going to guide you into the plan that he has. God promises um, to those that seek him. Number one, that he will guide us. Uh, Isaiah fifty-eight eleven says, "The Lord will guide you continually." So listen, when you seek the Lord, he is going to guide you. And then, lastly, um, he's going to bring us into blessing and satisfy your soul. In drought and strengthen your bones, you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Well, who doesn't want to seek the Lord? I mean, who doesn't want that kind of strength? Who doesn't want that kind of um, you know blessing to be flowing into our life when there's hardships and trials and drought, when when our physical strength is failing that he is giving us? So listen, to seek the Lord is the right thing to do for so many reasons, but the last thing I'm going to leave you with is because it will lead you into blessing. God will lead you into his blessing. So we seek the face of the Lord. So for the humble, well, the humble man and woman is going to protect their brother and sister and not speak evil of them. The humble brother or sister is going to seek the Lord for what decisions should be made. If you haven't been seeking the Lord, You need to start today. It's an evil thing that you've been doing. That's what James says. It's an evil thing. It's arrogant boasting. If you've been judging your brother and talking about them, then you're judging God. You stand as judge over Jesus. Do you really want to hold that position? I don't. And so these are some very good reasons for us to have a a change of course if we have been failing in this way. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are patient with us. I don't think there's, none, there's nobody in here who hasn't erred by talking about somebody that we shouldn't or having made decisions without seeking your face. Lord, we don't want to boast in arrogance and say we know better than you, nor do we want to stand as your judge and say the law that you give that said don't gossip or defame is no good so Lord we want to humble ourselves before you we just want to just drop our hands and just drop our ideas and say Lord you speak to us you show us what to do with our hands you fill our mind with your ideas your steps the course of direction that you have for our life Lord forgive us for being your judge and the judge of that sister Lord forgive us For our arrogant boasting, thinking that we don't have to ask what Master Jesus wants. Lord, we humble ourselves before you. I just want to give you a moment to respond to the Lord. You don't have to be afraid of him. You don't have to be afraid to set the course of I'm only going to do what he tells me to do from now on. The fearful thing is to not do that. Because you know how the story is going to end. He's going to lead you into blessing. So if you need to repent over some conversations you've been in, or you need to repent of some decisions that you've been making, the Lord is gracious. He doesn't rebuke us like this so we walk away feeling bad. He gives us these strong words of exhortation that He might correct us and begin to bless. That's the Lord's heart today.